0: Welcome
1: everyone to another episode of Revolution Recap. Another year, another magical Super Draft has come and gone with plenty of surprises, confusion, and hot takes about college soccer players most MLS fans heard of for the the first time this week. The Revs ended up with a new striker, Edward Kissa, out of the University of Pittsburgh, as well as retaining the MLS rights of Francis uh, Dulis, a center back who the Revs have signed to a USL contract prior to the Super Draft. I'm Greg Johnstone. Joining me today, as usual, is Chris Veloukas of Revs Revolt. Chris, how are you doing tonight?
0: Greg, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I don't know if you've heard, but Tom Brady's back in the Super Bowl. Um, So I'm a pretty big Brady fan. Followed him for many, many years. So I'm pretty happy about that. And then uh, soccer stuff, there's there's a lot that's happened in the last couple of weeks. Uh, So yeah, doing pretty good. How about you? I'm doing good. I'm I'm rooting for Tom Brady too. It's pretty crazy
1: cuz I got in an argument with someone on Facebook who said that Andrew Luck was a better uh, quarterback than Tom Brady career-wise and he was very reliant uh, on the New England Patriots system, uh, which apparently can't be duplicated in any sort of way, so I'm, as as painful as it is to see Tom Brady move on to greener pastures, uh, I think a lot of narratives are being uh, kind of shut down and closed. Kind of the Tom Brady as a system QB narrative is kind of being shut shut away uh, about as quickly as all those QAnon truthers. So I'm not sure if he's going to be able to get past the Bills or the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, but um, either way, incredible to see Tom Brady and Chris. Incredible to see another Super Draft. The most magical time of the year, the MLS Super Draft. The Revs, as I say, drafted Edward Kissa, 24th by the Revs. It was a bit controversial because Josh Bauer out of the University of New Hampshire, who we've mentioned a few times on our podcast before, he trained with Revs too. He was supposed to be one of the top center backs available in the draft, according to all of the pundits. He was... Almost a top fifteen pick last year. He was expected to go in the high first round last year, but he opted to go back to UNH for a senior season, which obviously never happened. Um, he was expected to be a top ten pick this year, fell all the way down to thirty first. The Revs passed on him. They ended up going with Edward Kissa. So, Chris, l- let's go there first. What are your thoughts about the Revs taking Kissa uh, and and passing on Bauer at twenty
0: four? Yeah, I mean, at first it was it was quite shocking that uh, you know you have this you know, high potential center back sitting there and center back is a position of need. Uh, And then they go in and they take a striker, which wasn't necessarily an area that I was thinking that they might go. I was thinking maybe defensive midfield. They might go for another speedy winger like they've done in years past. Um, And then, you know, Edward Kissa out of pit. um, And also he's the first ever pit player to be drafted in the first round, which kind of blew my mind. I uh, definitely didn't see this one coming. Uh, but the more I start thinking about it, I'm starting to wonder do the Revs have some other plans at center back? Because that roster starting to look full. Um, they have Colin Verfuth um, that is still on the senior roster. Maybe, he, maybe they plan on keeping him. John Bell has recently had his contract negotiated with the MLS. I forget how exactly that all works.
1: Yeah, I'll catch I'll you up. So so the Revs traded for his MLS rights. Whenever you're drafted in the Super Draft, um, the team acquires your rights for two years. So the Revs, he, he didn't sign with San Jose. He ended up playing at Revs 2 last year um, and had a fairly successful season, and the Revs traded for his rights. So basically, if the Revs want to sign him to a contract, they can. Um,
0: so John Bell's kind of waiting in the wings.
1: It's unclear if he's going to get an MLS contract, but the Revs could sign him.
0: Exactly, yeah. And so it, the fact that they did, uh, you know, obtain his rights again or for the first time i guess it it shows that maybe they they're looking to bring him up for the future that he has a future plan and then they didn't take josh bauer here when he was available when he slid i mean he was projected as the second center back to be taken in the draft um i i didn't count how many were actually taken before him but uh to be taken in the second round um was definitely not something i saw coming
1: yeah and as you say I, i think usually 24th pick you're not going to get a lot of value. I tweeted out before the Super Draft, don't get your, high, your, your your hopes up high because in the last four Super Drafts, the combined MLS appearances from the 24th, uh, 51st, and 73rd pick, uh, which is where the Revs were picking, combine those three slots over the past four Super Drafts, the MLS appearances
0: over all those picks is zero. That's a fascinating stat to me, by the way.
1: Yeah, and, and last year too, think about this too, outside of the top 18 super draft picks, seven players signed MLS contracts. The rest of them went to USL or they went, you know, elsewhere abroad. Uh, They played in other leagues, other lower leagues. Only seven players outside of the top 18 signed MLS contracts, not get on the field and make an impact, just signed MLS contracts. So sitting at 24, you're not expecting a whole lot going into this draft. The Revs to me seemed like center back was their big hole because to me, Okay, Kessler, Farrell, if that's your center-back pairing, fine. If, if Bruce Arena is happy with that, fine. A.J. De La Garza, we talked about him last podcast. He's, he's got really the shape of an outside back. He's 5'9". If Henry Kessler gets hurt, they're putting a lot of faith into Colin Burferth to step in and kind of replace. Because I don't see Andrew Farrell and A.J. De La Garza, who are 5'11 and 5'9", being a dominant center-back pairing. Um, you'd essentially have four outside backs along that back line. And, you know, I, I'm not very optimistic about that. I'm, I'm very concerned about center back depth here. Uh, so maybe Verfirth is, you know, they, they value him and they do believe he can fill that kind of fourth center back slot and, and kind of play back up to, to Henry Kessler very well. That That is very, very possible. Uh, but it seems like we're not getting another center back. And that is a bit concerning. And to have Josh Bauer who we've heard so much about, who the Revs have seen up close because he trained at Revs 2 with them, be available at 24. It, 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 something must be wrong with Josh Bauer that he, the Revs did not take him in that slot because I could not see a more perfect pick um, down at 24. If you, I, I didn't think there was any chance he would be available at 24, um, and I was hoping maybe the fourth or fifth best center back com, uh, coming off the board would be, be there. Josh Bauer not being there is—being there and, and passing on him for a striker is a real head scratcher to me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, if we flip it though, and we look at what Edward Kissa brings, I mean, he is going to be, uh, I mean, at least at pit, he's been a, a pretty proven goal scorer. And if we look at what the Revs lacked last year, I mean, defense really wasn't an issue. And I know we've lost Michael Mancian and we've lost, uh, Tony De La Mea, but to be honest, they weren't making any impact at all last year. Um, so, you you need you need some sort of attacking power, and you might as well take a take a reach in the draft, I guess. Um, but it is it is still a bit bizarre that Bauer wasn't taken. But I agree. I'm I'm curious how Bauer pans out now. He's in Atlanta, uh, and that's if he turns out to be another uh, solid center back. Um, they're gonna have Bauer and uh, help me out. What's the other center back? Miles Robinson. From? Thank you.
1: Yeah, but it, it's interesting because part of me says 25 MLS GMs. I mean, we're excluding Philadelphia and anyone else who's traded out of the first round there, but I mean, 20 plus teams had the option to take Josh Bauer and they didn't. And, and you get to a point in the draft. I mean, teams were trading up for 50 K in allocation money, not a whole lot to, to trade up. Um, and they were, they were still taking players other than Josh Bauer. So anyone who wanted Josh Bauer could have gotten him for 50 K in allocation money. Um, and and he they just kept passing. So I'm under the impression that something is wrong with Josh Bauer. I don't know what it is. Um I don't know if it's an injury. I don't know if I, I have no idea. I but there is something out there that we're all you know, everyone outside of uh Major League Soccer front offices are missing about Josh Bauer. And I, I'm curious what it is, and I'm I'm curious if he turns into a top five, you know, super draft player and turns out to be a valuable MLS um you know, starter or contributor because getting a solid MLS player at 31 in the MLS draft in, in 2020 is an amazing return for Atlanta United. So, um, just to give you kind of where the pundits had, um, Josh Bauer, uh, MLS.com had him going fourth overall in their mock draft. Uh, Matt Doyle had him rated as the second best center back. Uh, SBI had him going fifth overall, and they ranked him eighth on their big board and the third best center back. Um, Top Drawer Soccer had him going fourth overall and ranked him as the third best prospect overall and the best center back in general. So consensus, top five pick across the board, falling to number 31 in in a... you know, mechanism that is so top heavy is the super draft where, you know, you're only going to get, you know, f- f- five or six really good MLS players. Um, that, That's just a steep drop. So someone's wrong here, whether it's the MLS executives or the pundits. And, and I'm, I'm guessing all the pundits are wrong and everything we've read about Bauer is wrong, but uh, I have no idea why he fell.
0: So, well, and if if we're looking at the pundits too, you know, as had, uh, had Edward Kiz as a top 10, Uh he's saying that there's fantastic value here and that he couldn't believe how far because it dropped. Uh, and he was very excited for the revolution to make that pick.
1: I was actually just going to get there
0: because sorry to cut you off. That no, idea. no.
1: Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because, and that was a, a stat that was also thrown out there by a few people uh, on Twitter that this is still good value. If you look at the MLS draft, he wasn't in the mock draft. They only go through the first round. They didn't have him going in the first round. But Matt Doyle had him ranked as his best center forward. Um, top drawer soccer had didn't have him in their mock draft, but they had him ranked as the number 21 best prospect. So there's really no reach there, so to speak. Um, Chris, let's take Josh Bauer out of this equation and let's just look at the value the Revs got overall. What do you grade this pick as? Um, and furthermore, do you have any expectations for Kessa? Because You know, I don't think a 24th overall pick is, you know, my expectations aren't going to be very high. Do you think there is a role for him on the revs right away?
0: Yeah. So uh, we'll start off with the grade, I guess. And I'd have to say, you know, probably a B plus. You can't be harsh at picks here. You know, a lot of times it's, it's a lottery pick and, you know, it's, you go up to the, to the local convenience store and you just get a quick pick. You know, it's basically what we're doing here with the draft when it gets down to these late round, uh, um, the late picks in the round, um, so because, uh, you know, he was projected in, in some mock drafts to go pretty high. We got him at 24 and a B plus. I think it's a, it's a fair grade to give for that. And then because I think there is a spot to, to go into your next question, um, I, I can see him uh, creating space on this roster. I will note that he would take up an international spot if he does get signed. Um, But it sounds like there's only one other signing coming and I think we have about two roster spots available right now Um, International roster spots that is so the numbers work uh, and then obviously we had problems scoring goals Love to see competition coming in Uh, Justin Rennix was didn't really have that great of a year when it comes to MLS production Um, We saw that he's able to to put goals in the net uh, down in the one USL um, but it hasn't, hasn't quite translated to MLS, uh, goals yet. And, you know, maybe Edward Kizza is exactly what we need to, to challenge Justin Rennicks to, to be better. Maybe Edward Kizza is going to be, uh, you know, a second striker with Buxa challenging Buxa, maybe making Buxa have to work harder. Uh, you know, he is a Fox in the box type striker. Um, he's got 31 goals in 53 games at Pitt, which is uh, pretty impressive, um, only thing that I'm not sure about is I don't know who their opposition was, so it's hard to to rank how good it was. But it's still those are good numbers, and uh, I'd, yeah, B plus is my rating. I'd say.
1: Well, and and you know he was a, in the ACC. He was a two time All aecc first team selection. The ACC is no slouch in college soccer, so he certainly has the credentials uh, to be a uh, uh, a solid pick. Uh, so to speak. And you mentioned his goals. You're right. If you look at his shots and his, his shots on goals um, and his conversion percentage, they're all very high. Uh, so he, he is a pure finisher here. I'm, I'm, I don't know what his role is going to be because part of me thinks that they might put him at revs two and give him a year down there. Um, so he doesn't cost the um, revolution a roster spot on their senior team. Um, and, and they put him at, at USL and they kind of give him the role that um uh, uh, Justin Rennox was using last year um, see how he can do as kind of a, a finisher and and as I say just see him develop for a year before potentially moving him up to the roster next season um, he is uh, when you do draft a player as I said you have their MLS rights for two years so there's not necessarily a rush to sign uh, to an MLS contract um, but it, it is interesting I I even if they sign him to an MLS contract, I'm not sure how many minutes he gets because they obviously have a lot invested in Buxa. Um, you do have Teal Bunbury there. I guess Teal Bunbury, may, maybe they don't view exactly as a number nine uh, type of finisher. Um, maybe they see him more as kind of a winger and whatnot. And it's, and they play Justin Rennicks kind of as a winger, um, as a sub coming off of the bench too. So, um, Bruce Arena in his press conference said that this addressed a need. They needed depth at striker. So maybe they, they, you know, if they do continue five subs uh, coming off the bench in 2021, maybe Kessa is a guy that comes off the bench with 10 minutes left. Uh, Maybe when you're pressing forward to get a goal, you're pulling off a center back or a defensive midfielder, and you're putting Kessa in the box with Adam Buxa and and hoping something works. Uh, Maybe he's kind of playing in that role and kind of a Hail Mary type of role. Um, But overall, I mean, that's kind of my expectations. I don't really see him doing much outside of coming off of the bench. Um, But with that being said, um, what grade do I give this pick? You said a B plus. I'm around there. Um, I think if Josh Bauer was taken fourth overall and we ended up with Edward Kessa, um, I I don't have any complaints about this pick overall. The one thing that scares me is the international roster spot, Um, but they have two right now. So if they do sign him to an MLS contract, as I said, they have one left over. So you do lose an asset there, but overall, I'm not too, too um, concerned about it. So. We did get a couple of questions, because a lot of people are wondering, what does this mean for Justin Rennicks? Um Revolution Report says, what do you think happens with Renix and Kissa? And then he rubs you, says, with the potential signing of Kissa, where does this leave Renix on the depth charts? I kind of gave my feelings about it a second ago. I think Rennicks is going to be above Kissa on the depth chart, uh, and, and I think they're going to try to see what they have in Renix, because I, I feel like it's a do-or-die season for Renix at this point. Uh, and maybe we see Kissa at USL for a little bit before he gets promoted to the top. Um, roster. What do you think, Chris? Where where does this draft pick uh, leave Rennicks on the depth chart?
0: Yeah, I think I'm a bit on the opposite side of the fence here because I, I feel like Rennicks has somewhat plateaued as far as his progression has gone. Um, like I said, last season, USL, he did pretty well. Uh, but he really didn't seem to improve much when it came to MLS play. It kind of felt like the same Justin Rennicks that we had uh, in 2019. Kizza, he might... You know, be be that electric spark that we're looking for. Uh, He's got a lot of speed, I think, um, from the highlight reels that I've watched. Uh, He looks very quick, at least, uh, very agile, and he's got a uh, he puts a magnet on the ball um, to find the back of the net. I I lost adjectives and and similes in that that moment, but um, I think Kizza will be above Justin Renick unless he has some. Unworldly off-season uh, development.
1: Yeah, and and another thing too is I wonder if I mean as I say we saw Renex kind of play a little bit more out wide. We saw in in with Revs too he was kind of playing that number nine role. But when he the only times he really got in with the Revs we didn't see him in the number nine role. He kind of played out wide. So I, I wonder if he continues to play out wide as kind of a depth winger. Um, but then he's blocked by Teal Bunbury. I'm not. I don't know. I I, I, I I'm not under the impression Bruce Arena thinks very highly of Justin Rennex, so I wouldn't be shocked if Kissa uh, moves over him. Um, I just wonder if the international roster spot uh, is, is a bit of a hurdle, and they want to give Justin Renick a try uh, before moving on to Kissa on the, the depth chart. But it, it will be interesting to see it unfold. It, it does seem like a little bit of a duplicate there. And, and as I say, Bruce Arena did mention that the two areas of uh, need for the team going into the Super Draft was striker and center back. Um, and they, he feels they addressed both of them and they, and he stressed that they might make an impact right away. So, uh, if you believe Bruce Arena, Kessa might be there on opening day, uh, on the bench coming off, uh, to, to, you know, play up top. So, uh, before we move on, some extra notes from the super draft, I, I, I think I mispronounced his name in the opening, and I'm probably going to mispronounce it here, but Francois Dulisi. Um, I, I don't know how to pronounce that. I apologize, but he was drafted 51st by the Revs, as I mentioned. Um, the Revs already had him to a USL contract, so they're essentially just drafting his MLS rights in case they want to promote him. Uh, he's a center back, uh, so that that's another player to keep an eye on. Maybe we sign him for uh, depth along that back line, um, as you mentioned, Chris John Bell also there as a potential fifth center back. If the Revs want to go that way, uh, those guys would fit on the supplemental roster in some way. Uh, and then the Revs passed with their seventy-eighth pick uh, in the third round. Uh, not a huge surprise there. There's very little value there in the seventy-eighth pick, and a lot of people pass in the third round anyway. Uh, the Revs did lose two players that they signed to USL contracts prior to the draft: Michael De Shields uh, out of Wake Forest. Um, Another center back, actually the first center back off the board. uh, He was drafted fifth to DC United. So DC United virtually uh, guarantee a lock that they will sign him to an MLS contract and he is gone. Uh, And Sean uh, Sean O'Hearn was drafted in the second round. I have 31st, but I know that was Josh Bauer. So I don't know exactly what pick he went. Um, but he was drafted by Minnesota United in the second round around there, maybe 33rd or something like that. Um, but Sean O'Hearn was the left back out of Georgetown. Uh, so if Minnesota United agrees to deal with him, uh, to an MLS contract, O'Hearn will be headed out to the Midwest. Um, if not, O'Hearn will be playing at Rebs 2 in the USL next season. So, uh, that wraps it up for the Super Draft Overall, do, you gave a B-plus for the Kissa grade. Um, overall, I mean, is that your, your grade B-plus? Uh, on the whole, for the revs, uh, I, I don't want to put too much weight on the second and third uh, round pick, but they certainly did lose some players uh, on Thursday.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, the the of grade also was if we're taking uh, Bauer out of this out of the equation. Um, if Bauer is in the equation and uh, he was available, like he was, uh, I, I that that grade drops for the Kizza signing because I think that center back was a, a higher position of need, uh, and I feel like Bauer a higher potential to be, to make an impact. Um, so I would drop down to like a B minus probably. Um, and yeah, I'd, I'd stay right around there for the whole draft B minus, you know, they did find They did it. They did address uh defense by signing or drafting Francois Dulles. See, I'll try the name too. I don't know if I did any better. Um, but you know, you know retaining his rights that, you know, when they just signed him as well. So.
1: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I agree with you. I think that's like a C plus C draft for the revs. Cause Another thing, too, I want to point out, it's not an either-or situation. The Revs could have easily traded up. They could have given 50000 in allocation money, moved in to the 25th pick or 26th pick, um, and, and taken Bauer and taken Kissa. And I feel like those two players, you know, as I say, that, that back line, I feel like there's a little bit of a hole. I'm very concerned that there's no Kessler insurance. Um, that seems to be my, my biggest concern right now. Uh, but... As, as i say I, I can't be too mad about Kissa. and i don't want to take it out on Kissa because he certainly seems like someone who is uh, more than more than suitable to be taken 24th overall so
0: but now instead of saying bauer all the time we'll have to say francois Dulis.
1: yeah i mean just on uh, we'll pronunciation practice, yes. i struggle with pronunciation so much and i apologize to our listeners i'm phonetically challenged and josh bauer is just so much easier uh, of a name to say than francois dulise so so um another name i definitely cannot pronounce Arnold
0: Horsterson.
1: Nope. I don't yes, know I mean, I don't know. I, I, it's good to me. Uh, but according to Glenn Crooks, he is close to signing with the Revolution. Uh, Icelandic, left midfielder, left winger. Um, this one, we haven't heard much out of this rumor from Glenn Crooks on, I think it was Wednesday night. Uh, last Wednesday. Bruce mentioned at his press conference that they expect one more signing this offseason. He didn't give position. He didn't give a name. He didn't give a nationality. He just said that they expect one more signing coming up soon. Uh, so there's a lot of speculation that this is their next signing because I feel like left wing is the one big position of need. And if you're going to make a big splash, that is where to do it. So Arnor uh certainly seems to be Fit the bill for what the Revs need. Uh, Chris Creighton asks, Is this the left midfielder for you? Uh, and where do you stand on Icelandic recruits?
0: Yeah, I guess he would be the, the left mid for me. Um, there was that Colombian guy that was rumored. I can't remember his name. And he might not have even been Colombian, uh, definitely South American. And um, he, he looked really interesting and really skillful. Um, and I don't remember what league he was playing in either. I can't remember a lot about who he was or what his name was. But that was my first pick uh I do like the idea of him coming in. Uh, he brings a lot of experience, World Cup experience, you know, uh, Champions League experience. Um, so, or maybe not Champions League. I can't remember if he was in Champions League. I haven't looked that up, but it was definitely European uh, competitions. And uh, he's, he's going to bring a lot more experience than what we've had at that position before. Um, I, It's hard for me to actually say what we're actually going to get from him because I don't really know and it's it's not even an official signing yet um but where where would I stand on Icelandic recruits I mean I'm Scandinavian I'm all for it bring him in the more the merrier um I was rooting for Gabe Somi so hard uh for too long um so yeah I need some redemption um so yeah and I'd love to see him come here well who doesn't
1: love the Icelandic uh,
0: national team and he brings some international experience he's played in the world cup
1: he's played in the euro cup um, And looking at the scouting reports, it's funny. Someone asked for his FIFA ratings, and I looked at him, and I'm like, "That looks kind of familiar. And I Googled Christian Panilla's FIFA ratings, and they're basically exactly the same. Um, You know, Panilla's defensive rating wasn't as good, obviously, because he's Christian Panilla. But um, (laughs) that's kind of the style of player it seems like we're going to get. Um, He seems very well-rounded, too. He seems like someone who can um, also play defense and and press a little bit. he's got, he's fast, not too fast, not Gabriel Somi fast, but, um, certainly a, a very strong athlete and someone who I, I don't think you can kind of ignore on the left side. Um, maybe like a Teal Bunbury in the playoffs where we didn't see him make much of an impact. Um, I, I think that he's going to, uh, be able to use the space that defenders give him if they're too busy focusing on Gascaba bow, um, and Carly's heel. Uh, so he, he's certainly a weapon and I, I, Personally, this seems to be the a-, a type of player that I wanted on the left wing. He won't be a designated player, um, and he is under contract, so I don't know if there's going to be a transfer fee involved, uh, but if you can bring him on a as a TAM signing, which, looking at the numbers here, based on my projections, the Revs have some TAM money to play with. Um, They've not signed Carly's heel to a new contract. They signed Matt Turner, but no TAM is going to be used for that. So they have a lot of TAM money to play with. Um, this, this fits the bill for what the doctor needed uh, to, to kind of take this off season to the next level for me. So, um, yeah, I, I can't sit here and say I'm an expert too much um, on, on this player, but just reading the resume, uh, reading kind of the scouting reports, um, to me, this is exactly what the Revs need, and I'm very excited. We also got another comment here from Quite Rebs on Discord, and he says he wanted some cool Iceland facts. So really quickly here, are you ready, Chris, for some cool Iceland facts? Let's go. I've been to Iceland, so let's go. Oh, wow. So I should ask this to you, because you probably know more than me, but...
0: I've only been to the airport, so... Oh, well, never
1: mind then. (laughs) Well, I I googled cool Iceland facts, and according to the first Google result, more than 60% of the Icelandic population live in the capital city, Reykjavik. I don't know if that's... Reykjavik. Ah, I see. I should defer to you for all the pronunciation. Iceland was the last place on Earth to be settled by humans.
0: That's amusing, yeah.
1: Many Icelanders believe in elves and trolls. Okay. Has this joke played
0: itself out yet? I think three is a good enough. We can move on. (laughs) Well, you know what's funny about Iceland, too, is I just watched a show, uh, a Netflix show with Zac Efron, I forget the name of it. And it's a documentary. And the first episode of the show is he goes to Iceland. And so I learned a whole lot about Iceland. I watched this about two hours ago, and I forget most of it already. Um, but it was a really fascinating show, and I recommend looking up Zach Efron on Netflix, Iceland.
1: And also on Netflix is that Will Ferrell movie, uh, Fire Saga, or whatever. Uh, and they're, about, they're a pair of – it's him and Rachel McAdams, and they're Icelandic folk singers. Uh, and they win the hearts of Europe uh, uh, Europeans by entering a song contest. Um, it's actually not a bad movie. It sounds terrible.
0: I've been wanting to see that to be. It's honest.
1: actually very good, and uh, there are a number of songs that actually are pretty decent. Uh, I mean, I go go to Spotify right now and listen to Volcano Man, and thank me later. Anyway, that's enough about Iceland. Back to soccer. It's the off season. What else are we going to talk about? Moving on to another European who is finding his way out of the states. Alexander Butner and the Revs agreed to a mutual termination of their contract this week. Butner had one year remaining on his deal with the Revolution. Um, didn't exactly fit in with the revs, and obviously with Christian Mafla. I, I know we talked about how it didn't seem to make a whole lot of sense to have two international spots at that left-back spot. Uh, so this certainly makes a lot of sense. He also was tied to a few teams in Cyprus. Apol, I, I cannot pronounce the life of me tonight, uh, and, and that kind of fell through. They fired their coach, and it seemed like that fell through. Um, but another team came about in recent weeks, and I'm going to mispronounce this too, but uh, Apollon Limassol? Uh, I don't know. They're from Cyprus. Um, But they're rumored to be interested in Bootner. Bootner ended up being released by the Revs and signed by Cyprus. Um, Bruce Arena was asked about it uh, this week by Frank DeLapa of the Boston Globe. And Bruce said that uh, Bootner is about to be a father. He he wanted to be in Europe, made his life a little bit easier. And the team was willing to, uh, you know, go along with that request. So uh, we did get a question from TSB11. Because it's clearly Bootner wanted to be back in Europe uh, to be able to see his family during the pandemic. Do you have any info on the sequence of events that led to his release uh, and his signing in Cyprus? Um, ultimately, I, I think I don't have any inside information, but I think what's happened here is that the Revs were trying to sell Bootner, And we mentioned this on an earlier podcast a few weeks ago when we talked about Bootner the first time, but... Um, his salary was too high, essentially, to sell him. The revs weren't going to get a transfer fee whatsoever. Uh, they essentially were just going to hand him off to uh, whoever would would have been willing to take him because I, I don't think they were going to get any sort of value back uh, for Bootner who was on a TAM contract, too. Remember that, too. He's probably the fourth highest paid Rev uh, last season outside of the DPs. So, um, you know, I, I'm sure these teams in Cyprus didn't exactly want to pay that high of a salary. So, um, essentially, what the revs did was uh, instead of eating a contract i'm sure they bought him out for a small fee uh, or or some sort of fee they bought out a portion of his contract and they just let him negotiate directly with that other team uh, as opposed to negotiating with the team a fee uh, who pays for what you know portion of the contract etc etc so um, that's my guess of how that all happened and and just from the fact that it went from uh, you know he was released one day to signed the next i'm sure uh, a lot of you know things just broke down in negotiations and it was just the easiest way to go so uh, Chris, overall, what's your general reaction to the Alexander Butner move?
0: Yeah, it kind of felt like it had been coming, right? Uh, you know, we've heard rumors, of course, about um, Paul. Yep, the pronunciations are on point tonight for both of us. This is—it's um, brutal.
1: It is brutal. Yeah. Iceland and, and Cyprus, man. I mean, jeez.
0: Yeah, it's—it's getting—it's it's getting to me. <laughs> uh, but no, we've—we've we've been hearing about this for a while now, and. It, we, with the Moffat signing and everything, you know, writing's kind of been on the wall. We kind of had to expect something along these lines. Um and then as far as what my reaction is to the on-field product that we're going to be seeing, I mean, I really enjoyed seeing Bootner play. Um but
1: did did I, you I, enjoy seeing Bootner play? Wait a second. Did you enjoy seeing Bootner play? Like I, I, the Ben Musket I posted an article. The Ben Musket posted an article it was like remembering Alexander Butner's uh, best moments. And I, I was before I clicked on it. I was like, what possibly could this article have? I I, I mean, Bootner had a few good games at the very beginning of the season. He had some injuries towards the end, and then obviously he he got COVID before the playoffs. Um, but ultimately, I I I mean, we we went throughout the playoffs without him. I I didn't. You know, I wasn't thinking during the playoffs, like, man, if only we had Alexander Putner in the playoffs. Um, I, I, I he, he was a fine little player, but for a tam left back, I, I don't think he made much of an impact at all.
0: Yeah, uh, I will say for the value of what we did not get, you know, a return on investment. I would say on Alexander Putner, uh, you want to go that route. That's a hundred percent, will go and agree with you on that. Uh, but taking money out of the equation, seeing him on the field. Um, He seemed like a a tidy player for the most part. Um, He was really good at crossing the ball, obviously. I feel like he got a bit of a a tough uh, shake when it comes to nobody was being able to finish anything. Nobody was in the box when he was crossing it. Maybe that's on him for crossing it when no one's making the runs. But um, he put in a lot of crosses, and uh, he took a a lot of the corner kicks as well, which I have to say were uh, very well taken. Uh, for the majority of the time, uh, and the effort. You know, I'm I'm a big effort guy. That's why I supported Teal Bunbury so hard for so long. Um, he always seems to put in a lot of effort, and he advances the ball upfield. Um, and we've also went from Gabe Somi to Alexander Butner, so uh, or or Claude Dielna. I mean, Gregor Czihel Helen So it 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 was a big upgrade, and I definitely enjoyed. Watching him play, I was, uh, you know, I was close to buying a Bootner jersey myself. So, I yes, I did enjoy him.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you that if you look at it from a return on investment standpoint, I, I don't see how you can view him as anything but a bust um, in terms of a TAM signing. It, it was a big name. Uh, I, I say big name, but it, it's a you know, obviously he had a very big um, resume that that certainly seemed impressive coming in. I, I think I expected him to make more of an impact than he did. Um, and, and I don't know, I, I don't want to hammer him too heavily. Cause as you say, I, I, I can't point to many examples of him being terrible and that left back spot has been so bad. He did solidify it. So I, I, part of me is like, you know, he stabilized an area that's been an, and an real pain for all of us, <laughs> you know, in new England for years, um, uh, between Somi and Edgar Castillo, um, and, and, uh, who else was it? Oh, Claudiana. I mean, it's been a real pain. So
0: I, f- I forgot about Edgar Castillo, by the way.
1: <laughs> I, I still say that, you know, he really uh, was a victim of terrible coaching uh, under Brad Friedel than anything yep. else and, and having him push up and, and whatnot. Uh, but that's besides the point. He, he still, I think, underperformed from what people expected. But um, with that being said, he was a third of probably what, uh, you know, Alexander Bootner was as a TAM signing. So. I don't know. It, it, it comes and goes, and and Buechner, as you mentioned, his his set piece crossing. The, to me, the the biggest thing we'll lose is um, his set pieces. I'm not sure who outside of Carly's heel, who is delivering set pieces for the Revs right now. Uh, because you had Bootner, you had Win. I think Kellen Rowe took a few last season. Um, so uh, outside of Carly's heel, who's delivering corner kicks? Maybe Mafla uh, can can deliver some set pieces. But overall, I, I think that's where we're going to miss him the most. Um, but as we've mentioned on on previous podcasts. Um, Mafla seems good enough to be a starting left back. Uh, and with the investment that they are, you know, bringing him in at as an international roster spot, he's 27 years old. Um, Booner was, you know, on the wrong side of 30, he's 33, He takes up an international roster spot. It's a two year deal. I I couldn't see the Revs signing him beyond 2021, um, so I, I think that this is just getting ahead of uh, letting go of him a year early. Uh, they're letting him go back and, and be a father in Europe. Uh, I, I, I don't want to label him as a, a bust, but I, I think he put it very well that um, he did not return uh, the revolution's investment into him. Uh, and there was a bit of an overpay overall uh, on Alexander Bootner in his tenure in New England. Uh, moving on to some other news, uh, Matt Turner received a contract extension. He signed a deal in the summer of 2019. Yes, applause, applause. Uh, He signed a a contract extension back in the summer of 2019. It was a four-year extension. It began this year. It ran through 2023. Uh, Julian Cardello reported previously it was $200,000 annually uh, with bonus potential. So uh, the Revs giving him another uh, contract is... A little out of the blue, because um, he, he had three more years of team control, uh, but he said in a press conference that the, the extension comes with a raise, and also comes with a one-year extension through 2024. So Chris, uh, assuming that a large raise is included, and maybe he goes from 200000 to, say, 400000 uh, and he's now suddenly paid uh, among the top in the league, um, do you think this was a good decision by the Revs, or do you believe the Revs should have held Matt Turner on a team-friendly deal uh, and keep him at that
0: 200000 rate? Uh, were they going to use that money somewhere else? I mean, I don't know. I think that's a fantastic decision. Goalkeeper is one position that you really need to shore up. Uh, having a revolving door there is just not going to be good. You know, the, your goalkeeper, Don't let's not forget, your whole back line is commanded by your goalkeeper. And if you're going to keep changing who your commander is, uh, you're just going to cause problems. So once you get that, that one solid piece in there, uh, you can start building out your back line and really create some chemistry. And it seems like they might have actually done that. Um, at least as far as last year has gone. So Matt Turner getting an extension, uh, fantastic for one more year. Uh, getting the raise, great for him. You know he totally deserves it. Um, you know, obviously he's now with the, the U.S. Men's National Team. Looks like he's going to get his um, his first cap uh, on the 31st. So what in a week I think from the date that we're recording this. So, and uh, yeah, I'm 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 happy for him. I think I think it it should have happened. And it shows that the Revs are not necessarily looking to shop him like everyone has been saying
1: i was going to say i think the the biggest thing out of this well first off in terms of the money you're right are the revs going to be using every single you know dollar this this uh offseason the answer is no uh and so just the fact that you get to tack on another year of his contract one that that kind of boosts up the price a little bit Um, for for any team looking in Europe, because it's certainly harder to buy a a player that has four years left on his contract than than one with three, maybe not by a ton, uh, but it it solidifies him here a little bit longer. Two, it shows the Revs are committed to him and they're not looking to sell him, which I think a lot of speculation was looking at. So I think it tells Matt Turner, you know, we want you here as long as you want to be here. Uh, and, And I think Matt Turner feels very relieved um, that his future is not necessarily up in the air. He, he's not shy about saying that he wants to play in Europe at some point and he wants to test himself, um, but he, he certainly likes it in New England to the point where he got annoyed at some questions about the European interest last year. Um, and and he certainly loves being uh, with the revolution. So it, it, I think from both sides, it's a bit of a relief to, as you say, solidify that goalkeeper position and know you've got one of the best in the league for the next four years if you want. So um yeah, I, I agree with everything you said there. Um, not much more to say. Just e- even if you have to double his salary, it's still a pretty good value, and you're you're tacking on one more year to that contract. Um, that's going to run him through. He turns twenty seven this June, so that'll run him through age thirty. What thirty thirty one? Um, so you're you're going to have him for uh, his prime a little bit. Um, so yeah, agree with that. And also rumors that a Carly's heel contract extension is incoming, which I think is a top priority for the Revolution, um, he, he had an option year this year and when he was signed there was some reports out of spain that he signed a two-year contract with two team, team options so he, he might be under contract next year as well uh, but for the same reason that you want to keep matt turner happy i think you want to keep carly's heel happy and since he's a designated player you don't have to worry about money too much you don't have to worry about fitting him within the cap uh, so hopefully the revs um, if they are signing carly's heel i've heard rumors and chris creighton uh, says he's heard a rumor about a th- new three-year contract with a um, team option in the fourth year um, so that's something to keep keep an eye on for but as of right now hasn't been finalized um and as i say i I don't have any inside knowledge on that one but uh keep an eye out for another contract extension uh coming in the next few weeks so
0: yeah i'm honestly surprised that we haven't heard anything about an extension officially from this standpoint yet because you think just over two weeks ago we were recording uh another podcast uh this one was the interview with matt polster which by the way if you haven't Given to listen to i suggest go listening to it uh, i was really fun getting to chat to him but uh i digress on that comment and back into the carly's heel it's been over two weeks that tweet has been sent out with just a picture of what appears to be carly's heel um is it did it mean nothing is it it's such a mystery tweet and it's probably the biggest unknown right now in, in revs offseason is what is what does that tweet mean
1: yeah, I mean, if we want to speculate and you know just do basic baseless speculation, which is what this podcast does best, I would say that they thought a heel extension was being finalized, and maybe there's been a bump in the road. Um, I I I don't know. It also might just be whoever is running the account just trolling everyone. There was some speculation it had to do with the New Jersey release, and the the um, away jersey release, um, because it was the. Uh, current revs away Jersey. So, so maybe he had something to do with that, Um, but it has been a few weeks and it's been very quiet and there hasn't really been any answers on that. So I think it's just keeping everyone on pins and needles. Uh, And it it might be a situation where they are uh, waiting for the right moment to announce a heel extension if it is being in the works. But um, as I say, it it hasn't been finalized yet. And that, that tweet is a little mysterious and it's been a few weeks. So um, I'm not, I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, And the fact that we've had a second podcast released since that, that uh, Jersey uh tweet got sent out as uh, I mean that just shows you how long it's been because it's been a full two weeks since our last podcast. So yeah, head scratcher on that one. Yep. Um, we we got some general questions here. You ready, Chris?
0: I'm um, good. Let's go. Yeah.
1: Okay. So. First off, uh, Revolution Report says, uh, if, as Bruce says, one more player is coming in, and we are assuming it it is our Icelandic friend over there on the left wing, um, are you happy with the squad? Um, What else would you like to see? Center back depth, backup, creative mid? Um, So, Chris, overall, are you happy with the squad? Uh, And if not, what do you want to see them improve?
0: Yeah, I guess overall I'd be somewhat happy with it, uh, assuming Trostasen is in there. Uh, I'd be excited. Um, Not knowing if it's not Trostasen or if it's someone else, my excitement level might not be quite there. Center-back depth, of course, is a big concern. Um, we talked about that quite a bit at the beginning of the podcast, and there's not a lot going on. Uh, and if we're depending on De La Garza, Verfuth, and possibly John Bell, uh, yeah, that, that worries me a bit. Um, and the backup creative mid, I mean, I guess Captoom is probably going to be that guy, so we, maybe we'll, Heal and Captoom can feed off of each other. Um, do we have a third creative midfielder? No. Not that I could think of. Um, Do you need one? I'm not sure if you do. Uh, But overall, I guess I'm happy, uh, maybe a bit underwhelmed so far. Uh, But with the trust and signing, that would probably meet my expectations. Um, So, yeah, that's where I'm at. I don't know. Uh, What about you? Yeah, I kind of agree with
1: everything you said. I've talked about the center back depth earlier um, where, you know, if our starting center backs are set, okay. If we think De La Garza and Verfuth are a third and fourth center back that we don't need to use that much, okay. Um, But I worry if we have enough Kessler insurance. Um, You know, if, if he goes down, you know, what's the plan back there? Is it De La Garza or is it Verfuth back there? And I'm not sure I have a lot of confidence in either one. And I hope that Verfuth is a diamond in the rough that Bruce Arena has a lot of faith in. That'll that'll certainly make me feel a little bit better. Um, in terms of a uh, uh, creative midfielder, I feel like Captoom could fill that role, um, and I, I certainly think that a season where you you missed Carly's heel and you were a totally different team without him on the field, um, they have a plan B, and I assume Captoom is that plan B. I, I can't imagine that they they force um, Gustavo Bo back into that role uh, where where he kind of struggled a little bit. Um, I hope they kind of had great. a re- yeah and a revolving door. I mean, yeah, I, I'm not. Totally certain what the plan is. I feel like Captoom might be the answer there, uh, and he can play that role if need be. Um, so uh, I'm not as concerned there. Um, really, center back depth is my only real issue. Um, and and if Henry Kessler is healthy, if you if you tell me today that Henry Kessler plays every game or he misses one game, I'm I'm really happy with the squad. So um, overall, I, I I think the big shooter drop is that left wing, uh, and if we bring in Trustison Um, again, apologies if I, I cannot pronounce words for my life. So I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but if we bring him in, um, I am more than happy with it. So Christian Matthews says set pieces seem to be a weak, a huge weakness for us in 2020. Did we do enough with players to improve here? Um, I'll, I'll start with you, Chris, on,
0: on how you want to handle this one. I'd say no. Um, so I think set-piece delivery was fine, as I mentioned before, with Bootner. And, you know, assuming Trusson is the one that, w- that comes in, um, I think, if I'm remembering on my highlight watching correctly, uh, he does do set-pieces. Um, so maybe he could still handle delivering that. And Carly's heel is, you know, he's got a fantastic left foot. Uh, but I think the big weakness is height. You know, we lack a lot of height on this team, and it's... When you're putting in a set piece, you need somebody that's going to be an aerial threat to get up there. Adam Books is the only real one, and none of the crosses ever seem to really find him, or he never seems to find it. Not sure which one it is there. But yeah, I don't think that they've really done enough or done anything with a focus on set pieces. Yeah, and
1: defensively, I'm not totally sure. The, the one thing I've noticed over the past um, season or so is they used Adam Buchsa a lot on defensive set pieces, and that makes me, you know, uh, he, he certainly wins the ball in the air a lot. So I, I'm not too worried about the defensive side because I feel like on, on set pieces, we actually were a little bit better than we were in previous seasons, um, so to speak, and I, I think Adam Buxa uh, was, was pretty solid in the air. I also think Brandon Bay adds a lot in the air um, as a right back. Um, you know he's six feet tall. Um, I, I think at one point I don't know if he ended the season um, with, as the leader of the stat, but they had some sort of stat that they flashed on the screen where he leads the league in aerial du- duels or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so defensively, I, I feel perfectly fine. Um, the one question I do have is that service, um, and and maybe Trustison is a set piece player. I do. Uh, I'm, I'm googling his football manager uh, rating stats. Um, Cause I'm not totally sure he's got a 13 crossing, uh, 11 free kick taking ability. So he seems like a decent option, um, at, uh, at, at as a, a, free kick taker. Um, and if you give me a second, let me see what Alexander Butner was. Um, I'm sure he's in that 12 to 13 range too. He was 14 at free kick taking 15 at crossing. So you, you downgrade a little bit now there.
0: According to football manager.
1: According to Football Manager, um, that is my two-second analysis of uh, something that I didn't think about until we started recording. Um, so, yeah, where is that service coming from? Is it Carly's heel? Are we completely relying on Carly's heel? Maybe that's the answer. And, and again, if Carly's heel is, is healthy, 33 games, I, I'm i not worried one bit. Um, it, it's, you know, if Carly's heel goes down, who's taking corners? who's serving up those those uh, free kicks because adam books is a lot of his game is the head is headers and, and directing in headers and if he doesn't have good service he's a bit neutralized so i'm not totally sure um we we did enough this offseason to improve that aspect of our game so um david sabillion and a casual fan uh, ask us are the revs better on paper than they were at this point last year and then on top of that are the revs better on paper last year compared to the competition um and so what, what and, and he also means, uh, are they better on paper compared to where they were last year on paper? Uh, so like, do you have higher or lower expectations going into last season? So let's start with, you know, the revs on paper this year versus last year. Um, where do you stand on that?
0: Yeah. Starting from the beginning of the season, I'd say right now it looks better, but that's a lot because we know what Henry Kessler is coming into last year. We didn't, we thought that it's going to be Tony De La Mea and Andrew Farrow or possibly Michael Mancy, and we didn't think that Henry Kessler was going to come in and make this impact. Um, so having that is just an instant upgrade. Um, left back is a bit more of a question mark, but we also... It was a question mark last year as well, so can't really take away or add any points there. Uh, and otherwise, we still have a lot of the same uh, same roster throughout. We know a lot more of what Tejan Buchanan can bring. Uh, and then we've seen we've seen how Gustavo Bo can go down and come right back up. We still kind of expect the same thing from him. Um, And Adam Buxa, I guess was the other unknown from last year. We know a bit more now that um, he obviously had a really, really dry spell there for, I think 12 or 13 games. Uh, He didn't score a goal. And then uh, he, once he started getting to go and he seemed to be doing much better and producing and, uh, you know, doing really well at playing that hold-up role. Uh, So I think it, has to be higher right now. Um, The only thing I'd say is, you know, maybe Kessler's expectations coming into this year will be lower. um, Buxa, I mean, I keep going back and forth. Buxa's expectations are going to be lower this year. I think people expected much more from him last year than what he was able to produce. Um, But I still think he had a solid year, and he should still, you know, have high expectations overall. Um, So, and if we add any other pieces, you know, who knows what Captoon can bring? Uh, we have Polster now playing defensive midfield. I think that's an upgrade over Zahibo. Um, you know, and Kaisedo coming back. Uh, I, I'd say one hundred percent better and higher expectations.
1: I, I will say the one, the only two areas that I feel are weaker on paper, so to speak, and, and you kind of touched on this is Adam Buxa. I think last year we thought was going to come in and be a fifteen goal scorer. You know, he, he was going to come in, and he was going to light it up. Um, and that didn't exactly happen. I, I still have some faith in Buksa. I know you do. Um, I, 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 but I think the expectations are really tampered down for him where, you know, if he scored 10 goals this season, we'd be fine with it. Whereas I think if he scored 10 goals, if he had a normal season with no COVID and, and we went into 2020, he scored 10 goals. I think that we would have been let down a little bit. So I think expectations for Buksa are down a little bit. I also think Bo came into the league and I mean, he, he had such a phenomenal 2019. Um, I think we, 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 you know, his, his expectations were kind of to the moon. Whereas I think now we know there are going to be some games where he's going to be off and, and things just don't work out for him. Uh, you know, uh, I don't remember what, I think he was on like a 22 goal scoring pace over a season in 2019. I mean, he scored almost every game. It seemed like in 2019 where he, it was almost an expect expectation uh, for Bo to find a way to,
0: to score. He brought us to the playoffs last or 2019 himself. So, yeah.
1: So I, I, I think that is a major difference too, where on paper, you know, Gustavo Bo this year isn't as dynamic and the expectations aren't as high for him as compared to last year. With that said, if you take those two players out, everyone else on the team, as you said, has higher expectations or the same expectations. And as you said, Teon Buchanan, a lot of people have him starting at right back. Um, you know, he's with the Canadian national team. No one saw that last year. Henry Kessler is with the United States uh, men's national team, and he, he didn't make the roster for, for Trinidad and Tobago, but he's still in camp, and he's a potential U.S. men's national team. No one saw that. Um, you know, People people were wondering if he'd even you know start or if he was going to be Revs 2 or whatever. Um, Matt Turner had another phenomenal season. I don't think things have changed from Revs' perspectives in terms of Matt Turner, but he, he's obviously boosted his stock um, a little bit this year as well so there's really no player outside of Bo and buxa that i think on paper we have lower expectations for um than we did last season so i i don't it's kind of weird to say that we're not really satisfied with the team and all that and and, and saying that the supporting cast around the designated players have all you know our expectations have risen but um it's kind of true that i think on paper it's a it's a little bit stronger overall compared to 2020 it's just not as top heavy Uh, As we all thought, where we thought the three designated players were going to light up the scoreboards and and hopefully carry our defense uh, and win enough shootouts. I I think it's more of a well-balanced team compared to last year. Um, Second part of that question here, too. Where do we stand compared to the competition on paper compared to the competitions? Like, for example, our our projected, you know, where do we finish in the East? Um, Do you project them to do better this year in MLS than what we projected last year?
0: Yes, Um, I think. I mean, my expectations are personally much higher for Eastern Conference tables. Um, I'm thinking top four, maybe fifth, because you got to think Atlanta United is probably going to be back in the mix again. Um, But, yeah, if if they can finish uh, top four, I mean, that would meet my expectations. Whereas last year, I said they're going to be a playoff team, maybe sixth or fifth, if they're lucky. Um, So, yeah... They're definitely better this year as opposed to last year when it comes to their roster versus the competition. Um, I, I, it's hard to rate it if we're going to rate on paper against the competition without judging from year to year. So, um, yeah, that, that that's where I'm going with that. I think our expectations were a little bit higher than yours. I think we were around
1: the, the top 14 last year. So I think we're about the same, too. Um, The one thing I'll say is I'm not sure which teams got better in this offseason. I guess Miami, Miami, you can expect a lot more from this season. Uh, Columbus got a lot better, but they're already above us, kind of on the food chain, so to speak. Um, So I I think I expected a lot of teams to really go out and do a whole lot more. Uh, And I'm not sure really a lot of Eastern Conference teams scare me this, this year. So I'm kind of at the same spot I was last year. In terms of you know the revs could win the east, are they going to you know win the supporter shield? Probably not. Are they going to be the number one seed? Probably not. Um, but you know I, I could see them being a number three team or a number two team uh, if if they stay healthy and if all goes right. So um, and I'm I'm pretty sure that's where I was last year. Um, if, if you're if you're asking me where do they finish in the east, I, I got a really solid bet on third place.
0: Yep, I'm, I'd, I'd be happy with that. And you think you know two of the top. Eastern conference teams in Toronto FC and Philadelphia, they've lost some key pieces, you know, Philadelphia losing Aronson and, uh, Mark McKenzie. I don't know if he's still with them or not, but yeah, McKenzie's um, gone. he's gone. Yeah. Yeah. And, and TFC yeah. hired Chris Armas. So,
1: you know, they're going to be trash this year. We did get one more question here from TSB 11. Any updates on potential green cards? Um, for those of you that, uh, don't live on Twitter, um, and, and don't scroll for news as often as me and Chris do, um, There's a rumor, or I think it was a report, I think it was reported by someone that Luis Caicedo is close to getting a uh, green card, which would mean he no longer takes up an international roster spot. Um, That would be pretty big for the Rebs. As I said, coming into the day before signing Kissa, they have two international roster spots, so that would give them three. Uh, If they sign Kissa, they move back down to two. But um, overall, that's still a very valuable uh, asset for the Rebs that um, even if they don't use, they could end up trading uh, and getting some allocation money back. Um, I do not have any inside information, though, on if that is coming or if there's anyone else uh, coming down the pipeline for for potential green cards. Um, And I'm guessing that we won't know until rosters are released. Uh, just because usually that's how we find out about green cards. I know Tony De La May, I don't think that was reported. Uh, I, I think uh, the rosters were released, and people pointed out that he did not take an international roster spot in the Revolution front office, clarified that uh, he no longer takes one because he has a green card. Um, I, 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 can't, I can't remember the last time someone broke news uh, of someone uh, having a green card, um, similar to the Caicedo news. So um, no updates on our end uh, about potential green cards. Um, other news for uh, just kind of, Clearing out the uh, recent news, Shalri Joseph is up for the U.S. National Soccer Hall of Fame. Hopefully, I mean, I, to me, it seems like a no-brainer. Um, I, I don't think that is a thought that is limited to people in New England. I feel like Shalri Joseph should be an easy lock for the National Hall of Fame. But you also would have thought he would have been a lock for the uh, best 25 uh, in MLS. Uh, and That turned out That's to out be, out. yeah. So, uh, friend of the program, Shalri Joseph, former guest uh, uh well, I shouldn't say former guest but he is a guest uh, uh if you have not listened to that episode please go back in our timeline and scroll back um also Shalri Joseph's former uh position as a Grenada head coach uh was filled this week i think by like a canadian uh assistant coach uh, assistant coach from the canadian national team so um that that position sat like vacant for like 8 months uh but uh Anyway, moving on. Uh, if you did not hear, there were a couple of other good interviews, uh, besides our Matt Polster interview, which again, you should go back to and listen to if you haven't heard it yet. Uh, but the yellow card podcast had a interview with AJ De La Garza and new England soccer weekly had a, uh, interview with Scott Caldwell. So if you haven't listened to those, please go back, uh, give those a look. I think they're two weeks old at this point, but if you missed them, please go back, uh, Julian Cardillo uh, had some information that Tony De La Mea, former Rev, is garnering interest from other MLS clubs uh, and also some interest in Europe. Uh, the Revolution are not among them. So if you are a De La Mea stan, uh, do not hold your breath. It seems like he is not coming back. And that's a, that's one too that I think is pretty significant because uh, Bruce Arena talked about bringing back certain players. He, he thought about he, he mentioned they expected to sign, I think he said like four or five players, and they ended up only signing McNamara. I think De La Mea was the one that You know, me and Sean, at least, were expecting uh, might come back considering the lack of center-back depth there. Uh, Also, Kellen Rowe has signed in Seattle. Uh, That was a long time coming. Uh, And Kakuta Mene has signed in Austin. Uh, So he is joining up with Diego Fagundes down with the expansion side. And then the other thing, too, I wanted to mention uh, right before we ended this podcast was um, kind of a roster update. It was pointed out to me because we've been talking a lot about um, goalkeepers taking up three senior roster spots. Um, And I don't want to get into the how the rule is written, um, but basically for the uh, and and for the I'll I'll kind of walk it back to I'll I'll give the basic explanation of the MLS roster for the revolution is 30 spots, the top 20 are senior roster spots, the bottom 10 are supplemental roster spots. And then the supplemental roster is divided into three parts with specific rules for each parts. So the four spots, the top four spots are 21 through 24. Um, I misread a rule there. And basically, if you sign for the league minimum, you can go on to the 21 through 24 spots. The reason I, I kind of missed that is because it says league minimum, and that includes you know, homegrown players or super draft picks or something like that. And so I thought it was limited to homegrown players, uh, but it actually is. You don't need to be a homegrown player. So Earl Edward Jr., in theory, is on the 21 through 24 spots. Uh, in theory, he does not need to take up a senior roster spot. So I just wanted to clarify that uh, from previous podcasts. We've mentioned uh, that the Revs have three goalkeepers on their senior roster. That is not necessarily true. Um, if, if Earl Edwards Jr. signed for the league minimum, he can be put on the supplemental roster. Um, and also, it was also pointed out to me that Scott Caldwell does fit on the 25th through 28th spots, and Colin Verfuth is turning 25 this year. Uh, so if you are on the 25 through 30 slots, um, you have to be 24 or under. And Footh is going to have to move to the 21 through 24. And Scott Caldwell is going to have to go down to the 25 through 28 um, because of a homegrown exemption. Again, I don't know if there's any way I can explain this, but to be on the 25 <laughs> through 30th, uh, you either have to be under the age of 24 or you have to be a homegrown player that, you know, Ugh, oh, boy, I don't even I
0: Yeah, the only thing more confusing than than Greg explaining his day job is MLS roster rules. <laughs> don't make me explain my day job. That's that that, <laughs> that I would never I will subject
1: the listeners to more Iceland facts uh before yes, we get it's... to what I do for a living. Uh but yeah, 25 through 28, the rules are um may include players earning reserve minimum salary, which is lower than the senior league salary. Um so you have to be earning the minimum salary or you're a homegrown player. Uh, who earns more than the reserve minimum salary that is subject to the homegrown subsidy. And basically, I've looked into this. Scott Caldwell fits that bill. So Scott Caldwell is on the 25 through 28 roster. Uh, Verfuth, Buchanan, Kessler, and Earl Edwards are on the 21 through 24 roster, assuming Earl Edwards is making the minimum salary Uh, for the senior roster. So hopefully that clarifies everything. Um, I really don't want to explain it. It's really complicated. It's really stupid. And I'm sure I'm missing something else, and that's the worst part. Uh, The rosters are going to come out, and I'm sure something else is going to come out that I didn't know before. So um, it's all terrible. It's all stupid. Just know that the Rebs have, as of right now, four senior roster spots open, uh, and they have two international roster spots open, not including including Edward Kizza, who would take one of those spots. And it does not include... um, uh, uh Francis, uh, yeah. Who, <laughs> I were gonna say
0: Francois Dulis. No, 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 no. He's on USL. Kiss, um,
1: Kissa, Kissa and Dulis would take a uh, the 25 through 28 roster spots. So there's room for them, uh, but Trosterson would take a senior roster spot. So, assuming that signing is coming, the Revs would go into the season with three senior roster spots. Uh, and if Kissa is signed, they will have one international roster spot. Unless Caicedo gets a green card, then they have two international
0: roster spots. Trasterson would take an international spot too, though damn it (laughs) so the revs would have zero international spots and three senior roster spots chris has me covered map on revolution recap
1: chris uh before we get out of here do you have any final thoughts And, and where can people follow you on social media
0: look pronunciations and mls rules aside we got through this one and we did a great job my final thoughts i look it's the off season i have a frozen pizza that's waiting for me that's pretty much my final thoughts right now um and find me you know i'm always on twitter i'm pretty active over there you can find me at curse lucas or at revs revolt and i'm also on instagram twitch and you, i'll tell you all that on twitter though so come find me over there
1: i got it for the people not on twitter though i mean revs revolt youtube what's your twitch channel?
0: <laughs> my twitch everything's revs revolt um outside of outside of my personal twitter of Christopher lucas everything is slash revs revolt uh, i think i'm on pretty much every platform including tiktok even though i've never even used it
1: yeah you're, you're more tech savvy than us we're just on facebook and twitter and you can follow us at revolution recap on twitter and also like our revolution recap facebook page you can also send us an email or a note revolution recap at gmail.com uh, at any time with your questions or comments or requests uh, we're, we're open to anything if you uh, have a uh, comment for our show uh, and if you have not already please rate and review our podcast on itunes or wherever you're listening haven't gotten a review in a while haven't gotten a review in a while i think we're at 56 reviews you know what chris I like doing that interview uh, a few weeks ago. Maybe we'll do another interview. If we get to say 60, 60 reviews, if we get to 60 reviews. Maybe we'll do another interview. How about that? Sounds fair. Sounds fair. But uh, also Chris, I'm just looking at this right now. It's uh, as of this recording, thirty-one fifteen chiefs. It looks like chiefs bucks in the super bowl. We're probably, we might not have a, a podcast before then. So give me your pick chiefs or Tom Brady.
0: Do I go with my heart or do I go with my, my brain? I, you go with, you go with know. the I, right, I, you go with the right choice. Tom, Tom Brady is going to win it and prove all the haters wrong. Um, and because uh, Chiefs don't even have Patrick Mahomes, right? right? Maybe he'll be back by then. He no, he's back. Two. He's
1: very back. He's he's thrown for 320 yards.
0: He's very back right now. OK, I haven't been watching because we've been on. Yeah, it's
1: 3715 right now. I have the Chiefs.
0: I have the Chiefs winning by 10. But anyway, uh... you'll take Chiefs by 10 in the Super Bowl, right? Is that what you? Yes. Saying? Yes. OK, yeah, well, I'll take I'll take Bucks by three then. Thank you, everyone,
1: for listening. This was was – off-season episodes kind of get off the rails a little bit, and Sean's not here to supervise us, so apologize if we rambled on a little bit longer. But, again, follow us at Revolution Recap on Twitter, Revolution Recap Facebook page, revolutionrecap at gmail.com. And not sure when our next episode is coming out, but until then, thank you, everyone, for listening, and go Revs.